I'm delighted today to introduce you to the fourth in our series of optimizing health and happiness for humans and your animals. So today we're covering the fascinating subject of the placebo effect, the nocebo effect, and mind over matter, and how this impacts our health and our happiness. And once again, I'm back with my special guests, Dr. Tima Tastatar and Lance Shuttler. So in the first episode, we discussed what is health and how can we optimize it. We then went on to discuss in podcast five, what is happiness? And in the third episode, podcast six, we discussed the importance of how our choices affect our health and happiness. We've all heard of the placebo effect, but how many of us know about the nocebo effect and how both of these can have a huge impact on our health and happiness? When we really understand the influence that our subconscious mind has on our daily lives, then we can really start to take back control of our health and happiness. Once again, I really love the different perspectives that both Lance and Timo bring to this discussion. So sit back, enjoy with an open mind, and most importantly, please do let us know what you think in the comment sections or reviews. Thank you. So we are back today for the fourth in our series on optimizing health and happiness for humans and animals with my special guests, Dr. Timo Tastahar and Lance Shuttler. Um, this is the fourth episode and today, and we are going to be discussing the fascinating topic of the placebo effect, the nocebo effect, mind over matter, all sorts of interesting things around there. And please, if this is the first one you're listening to, please go back to the first in the series, which is podcast four on the platform. But before we get stuck in, let me introduce, for those of you that haven't met them, my guests. So Dr. Timo Tastahar is a veterinarian with a doctorate degree in equine cardiology. Timo has worked extensively in the equine and pet food and supplement industry in production, formulation and consultation for various companies. Dr. Timo specializes in animal physiology and movement with a broad experience in rehabilitation and, and nanomedicine for horses and pets. He's known for his ability to break down complicated scientific data and concepts and explain them to the general public. So we'll be testing you on that today, Timo. And he prefers natural solutions as much as possible, prioritizing long-term functional solutions to avoid the drastic unwanted side effects often associated with short-term results. Exactly. Thanks. And Lance Shuttler graduated from the University of Iowa with a bachelor's degree in health science. Lance is the CEO and owner of Ascent Nutrition, a unique holistic nutrition company. And listeners of this podcast will know just how much Timo and I love your, your products, Lance. He's a contributing health and wellness writer at the Epoch Times, and his work includes the topic of regenerative agriculture resource-based economies and quantum technologies. Now, Dr. Timo and I both work extensively with animals. Um, and so in these podcasts, we're really trying to link in um, how this is all relevant to humans, but also non-human species as well, because we can learn so much from our animals. And obviously we want to be the best pet parents that we can. So really fascinating discussion topics today, placebo, nocebo effect, and why this is so relevant to everyone. 
So what is the placebo effect? Who wants to start with that one? Timo, please lead us off. <laughs> I thought you would start. So uh, <laughs> placebo is, uh, you think you're getting something, but you're not getting it. You still see the effects of the things you think you were getting. So this is shortly what placebo is. So make believe. So I tell you something that, yeah, you are going to drink this magic water and you will feel perfectly fine after drinking it. You drink it and suddenly you, you feel perfectly fine, although the water was tap water. So this is placebo. Um, and it is a fascinating thing, still not well understood. Also, um, it is actually one of the things that science scratches the head the most with. Because uh, even in surgery, there is even placebo in knee surgery that the surgeon just opens and closes uh, the wound and uh, yeah, suddenly the knee works again and no pain, which is very terrifying for surgeons and very terrifying also for the whole medical industry because yeah, we can also just tell you stories to make money instead of really studying something. Uh, on the other hand, Placebo also works on animals, especially if their owners are really convinced that whatever they're going to do is going to help. And uh, if the thing they're taking is not something that should have heavy side effects, then the placebo is a real thing. And uh, it happens to me. But of course, there is also the opposite version of it. We will talk about that too. Okay, so before we get into the opposite, what have you got to add to that, Lance, about the placebo effect? Um, I think Timo really summed it up very well. So I don't know if there's really going to be anything new. Uh, but, you know, that's really what I would just define it as as well, is that you have this belief and this expectation that something's going to happen. Uh, you know, whether it's like a supplement or a pill or a procedure. And the effect happens regardless of what was actually in that capsule or pill. Um, and it is pretty wild how that happens. And I've read so many stories of that same thing too, Timo. People going in for surgeries, they expect it's going to go well. They don't even perform the surgery and the person comes out and they're significantly improved. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? And one of the things I find uh, really fascinating about it is a lot of the studies have actually shown physiological changes, neurological changes, et cetera. So it's not just the, the power of the belief is actually um, triggering the mind and body to produce different chemical responses yep. in the body itself. So there is actually, a lot of people think it's just make-believe, nothing's actually really happening. But actually, there is a lot on a physiological level that can be measured now and on an electromagnetic level happening. Yeah, so this is now, this is the most funny part. So for me, at least, and I use this a lot in uh, all my lectures, but think about a triangle. And this triangle consists of an impulse, an energy to do something, and the material to do that thing we want to do. And when one of is missing, nothing happens. The thing is though, there's a hierarchy and, and uh, the impulse has the highest rank between them because the impulse is the one that triggers everything. So funny enough, uh, the impulse, your mental impulse of thinking that you are going to heal yourself because you always heal yourself, nothing can heal you. So this is a self-made thing. 
not important what you get, medicine, whatever. It just facilitates something, but you do it yourself. Nothing can help you. You can heal yourself. All animals heal themselves. Organism heals itself. So, and the organism thinks, okay, so whatever bad was there, we can overcome it now because no matter what. And they start to overcome it, right? So it is real physically because the, the impulse is there. The signal is there. It's very important. I always talk about the signaling thing, but think about you're extremely thirsty. You drink a glass of cold water. What do you feel? You feel like you're refreshed, right? But nothing happened. It's just not even in the stomach. It's not in your blood. You are still dehydrated. Your whole body just needs water. It's still not there. But why you can you you can keep on now, although you're still should you should still not function, mm. right? And this is because the signal is there now. The signal says, "Hey, we have it," and you yeah you work, you function, and this is this is really hard for a scientist to swallow, um, because things are happening beyond the level of our understanding. And that's also fascinating because there is a lot to learn. But uh... I want everyone to hold on to what Timo's just mentioned there. So it's really significant about when you drink the water and even though it hasn't even hit your stomach, let alone the cells, you feel that your thirst is relieved because that is going to be very important when we come on to talk about the manifestation side of things in a minute. Um, as well as the placebo side of things, we've also got the opposite, haven't we, Nance? The nocebo effect. And this can be really, really powerful. Yeah. So, you know, it, it really, it's like the opposite side of the spectrum where if we're believing something's going to go wrong, then a lot of things can go wrong and sometimes do. And most importantly, though, uh, if we're believing something's, you know, non-beneficial going to happen, then we interpret the events around that as non-beneficial. And we might interpret that as, uh, you know, like a fear response or, uh, Hey, this isn't working out. See, I told you like, and then it just cascades and spirals down into that, um, to create that sort of effect. Yeah, and of course, you've got the, the situation where in certain cultures, they still put a, a hex or a curse on people. And there's numerous, numerous accounts where that person will die, even though they've not been given any poison, they've not been shot or whatever. But there's so many studies and people like Joe Dispenser and you are the placebo book, which I recommend for everyone. You know, there's so many scientific studies now that show that, say, if a doctor tells someone they've got six months to live, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if that person believes the doctor and regardless of how quickly their disease is or isn't um, developing, they can drop dead within six months. And uh, equally, they've had people where they've been given, say, a false diagnosis of cancer and told they're going to die within the year. They die within the year with all the symptoms of the cancer and then the autopsy shows actually it was a misdiagnosis and there wasn't any. It's incredible, this this power of the nocebo and the placebo to cause physical changes in the body is for severe as killing someone, isn't it? Yeah, well, I have a, a, a third thing to talk about. It's like very linked to that. And that happens to me and a lot of um, healthcare practitioners I know that you take over the problem you were dealing with. It's like I would uh, have totally good knees 
then I'm I was treating a girl with knee problem, and uh, and suddenly one week later I had the exact same problem, and that happens throughout my life all the time. So different friends have uh, different ways to shake off that effect, right? But I, I I'm cursed, like the Scottish would say. So <laughs> it happens to me all the time, and I don't know how to get rid of it. I can help with that one because a lot of people who do energy healing, et cetera, that's one of the things that you learn is to make sure that you're not taking on the others. But this leads to another thing, doesn't it? Should we talk a bit about Dr. Masomoto's um, messages from water experiments? Because most living things are about 70% water. Is that correct? Yeah, 60, 70, yeah, 60. 70% water. The world is 60, 70% water. And there's these amazing experiments, aren't they, Lance, that uh, Dr. Emoto did where he was showing the power of words, writings, consciousness to actually completely change the crystalline structure of water molecules. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many experiments of that done. Now, of course, there's uh, ways that people can interpret those. And, you know, I know that mainstream doesn't necessarily accept it but that honestly doesn't matter especially right now uh you know it's clear that what is being photographed is beautiful crystalline structures and you know those those water molecules are being aligned and structured uh something interesting i know uh for for a fact scientifically that there's been some companies that have tested water uh structuring it and then um you know, put it in the plastic bottles and left it on a shelf for 10 months. And these tests were done at Los Alamos in New, New Mexico at the labs there. And uh, it showed no, uh, no contamination whatsoever of any plastics into that water after 10 months of sitting on the shelf. So, wow. you know, that's one, one, you know, one area to look at further for sure of, okay, if you structure water, is it indeed creating some sort of barrier uh, from outside particulates, um, you know, at least in that it did, but, you know, it'd be cool to see that more. Yeah. Beautiful. I've got my, this, I love Flasco. I've got my Flasco, um, water bottle than this, which structures the water. And quite frankly, how much is the fact that I really love the products and I really love the company and the people that make them and how much is every time I just look at these beautiful symbols on the glass, my power of my belief is projecting such love into it because I love this so much. It doesn't matter, though, does it? I mean, why why is this so relevant to people that we're discussing this, Timo? Why is it so important that people understand the principles of the water experiments, of the um, consciousness to change the structure of things, of the placebo, the nocebo effect? How can this change our lives? So I'm not an expert on this one, uh, and I still am at the experimentation phase, so to speak. And But I can tell as a scientific mind, and you know it, I'm too, far more uh, rigid than you and Lance on many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I see that, that you might change your health by knowing that you can change your health is far more important than what I learned in the medical school because if i can do that why do i need the medical school 
Of course, I want to know everything. Of course, I want to understand everything. Of course, all that is right. But there is one more layer to it, and we are short of it. It's not we are not there, and most of the practitioners are not there, and people who are there are not medical practitioners anymore. A lot of gurus, real gurus, I'm talking about, are somewhere alone because they understood more than we did. And even if they tell us, we don't understand because either we ridicule them or we don't understand, we cannot grasp what they want from us. So it's it's a bit, uh, I'm lost. So, <laughs> Lance, why do you think this can have such an impact on people's lives when they really understand the significance of, of the placebo, nocebo, mind over matter, whatever you want to call it, that how we can influence even the structure of a cell by our thoughts alone? Um, well, just because of that specific reason, uh, and, and I mean, you know, more specifically, it's that we have the power. We have the power to uh, choose ourselves to be healthy, you know, like we've talked about last time with choices and with what Timo just said on, you know, why, why go to medical school if, if you know that you can do it. But of course, there's practical reasons to go. But uh, having that knowledge and that, that empowerment, I think, is so crucial. And I know for me, when I first started learning and like really understanding that and seeing that, you know, I could change things around me uh, if I change myself and really started doing things mentally, but also physically, um, that, that I do have the power to change things in my life. So, you know, that that sort of really stands out. And that to me is just like the ultimate teaching of, you know, we are creators and we have the power to do what we want with our lives. And we don't have to be beholden to outside forces. Uh, we can choose and, and choose our own path. It's amazing. And how did you first become aware of this work, Lance? Who sort of opened the door for you? Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, I bought this book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. And I read it and I didn't really understand it. I kind of got it, but but not really. And so I just put it down and, you know, just let it be. And then about a year and a half or two years later, I was reading something. I was sort of getting into this information and I read something about the power of the mind and it just instantly hit me. Oh yeah, I've got that book. And I think I should read it now again, because I think I'm going to understand it more. And I did. And, you know, it really just started that that's what opened the door for me to this information of, you know, choosing the thoughts that I want to think and using the words I want to use. Fantastic. I must admit, when I was um, studying for my master's in business studies, most we did a module on quantum physics, which when I look back on it, it's actually really bizarre. It was the first time I'd heard of quantum physics because this was 22, 23 years ago. Um, and um, they introduced me to the work of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And that was just a complete game changer for me. I started looking into it. And this whole different world opened up, but one that made far more sense than what I'd learned through all my scientific training, which, as you were just explaining, Timo, was, you know, all very well up to a certain level. But there was so much that sat outside that that couldn't be explained by what we knew even now scientifically. 
Um, so I think it's really wonderful when people start, you know, seeing this cascade effect instead of opening up and keep questioning, because when people start to take responsibility, that they can really impact their own health, happiness, wellness themselves. It's a fantastic place to be, isn't it? That you taking away that dependency it doesn't mean we can't use the tools of the medical profession, the veterinary profession, the nutraceuticals, whatever. But it does open up a whole different range of possibilities for people, doesn't it? Yeah, but again, we are going back to impulse, energy, and material. Mm. So things can happen, especially the same goes for acupuncture and um, especially acupuncture and uh, similar things that are based on impulse uh, only work if you have enough energy and material to realize it. So if you don't have those things, if you don't have good food in your body, if you don't have building blocks, there is nothing to build. It's uh, You can dream about it. You can really hope you can do it. But um, what you can mentally change is in the realm of impulse. Mm. So the rest has to somehow be there to be able to make it happen. That's why good food is so important and good water is important, good air is important because these are the basics we build things on. And if we don't have it, it's not important how much we dream of or who's the hex doctor or he's saying this and that that we cannot really correct things if we don't have enough to correct, if it makes any sense. So the mind can only start to really function if there is something to work with. If that is not there, you can. So for instance, uh, you can dream of flying, and I'm not talking about gliding. We are talking about flying, the real flight like a bird. And you can jump from any any place and you will not be able to because you don't have feathers. But gliding is a different thing. Maybe you can glide because maybe you can create some powerful force between you and the gravity. Maybe you can. That's a different story. But if you think about flying, the flight needs a certain thing, which is called the wing. And if it's not there... <laughs> you probably will not manage. So if you have a dream of flying, try from one meter height or something uh, to make sure that is not fatal. Uh, so That's where I give a safety <laughs> warning to all listeners not to jump off buildings. <laughs> yes. So what I just tried to say is a lot is possible. In health, a lot is possible because most of the health problems are just things not working well. But uh, as... Some of the atheist comedians would uh, chuckle right now, but you cannot just regrow the amputated leg. So that is gone. So maybe we can do it in the future. Maybe I'm more aware of things. But right now, no matter how hard you pray or dream of, it just doesn't grow back. But if your nervous system is not working well and happened to some animals I saw also, and you are paralyzed, and suddenly you start to feel your legs again, that, that's the power of your brain. So you can rebuild your nervous system. You can help it. You can, yeah, you can do things. But impossible things are still more or less impossible. So that means we have to know where we draw the line of what we want to change. And it has to be within reason, but it has to be within nature. nature. Does it make sense? So what, we have only nature's force. We have nothing else. So we draw from nature. And I'm not talking about nature in a, 
naturalistic or materialistic vision. So I'm talking about nature. Whatever we have, everything around us is a part of nature. And if you have metaphysical forces you believe in, they are also the part of nature. So whatever, wherever you draw your force from, it has to be within nature. So if it defies the, the rules of nature, it will not happen. Not important how creative you are with your mind. But if your mind is one-track mind and you function within that nature, yeah, I think you will succeed. Well, let's have a little discussion then to lead on from that about the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Now, I think a lot of people will know that, you know, that I mean, that's a huge, huge topic in itself. And at least, at least, I think this is probably an underestimation of 70% of, of how we perform in a day is from our subconscious mind um, that we are running on programs, many of which are set when we're very young. I mean, the Jesuits sort of said, which makes me cringe to think of it, but, you know, give me a boy until they're seven and I will show you the man because so many of our subconscious programmings happen early in childhood, but also they can be happening and they they very much are still happening at the moment. Lance, how does this play into this picture of the, the placebo and the nocebo? People understand the difference between the conscious and the subconscious mind and how they can control that. Um, well, clearly a huge part, and we've talked about this, I think, on the past couple episodes of how much the subconscious rules what we're doing. You know, what you said, at least 70%. And, uh, you know, it is really just patterns and repetitions that we've learned, even though the language that we use and all the words, like we, we all notice that sometimes we all speak in, in our own ways, yeah. uh, use, use similar words. That's all programming to one extent or another or to some extent and you know with that once you become conscious that there is something else unconscious ruling your actions once you become conscious of that then you step into the driver's seat and you can start making choices that are not out of just programming but you know out of your actual conscious voluntary choice it's a massive one, isn't it? Because most people have got very little awareness of how much our subconscious mind is actually driving our lives. And I love, you know, Bruce Lipton, we spoke about him before, but biology of belief and about really about how um, we can look at our current lives and where we're at now. And that tells us what our subconscious programming has been because it's all around us. It's the blueprint of our lives. And some of that we'll be very happy with. You know, it can serve for us. We don't want to have to learn to drive every day that we get up. We don't want to have to learn to walk, how to put our trousers on. Timo, you were talking last time about the pants and the different, <laughs> different leg you put in your pants. But equally, a lot of the time, it doesn't serve people, can it? And all of these things, the more you understand it, you can use that understanding for the good, but you can also use it as a control mechanism as well. Yeah, that happens all the time. Um, media, or let's say media, I don't like the word that much, but typical advertisement uh, business is built on you accepting things the way they want you to accept mm. and to go with their narrative and not with yours. What you need, what you have to have, uh, how you have to feel, and uh, and this is actually the this is also the charm of Instagram, isn't it? Instagram tells you 
people are living the best life all the time. It's like, and if you do what how they do, use the same makeup they do, and uh, put. Uh, I mean, if you are influenced by their influencing power, everything is fine. Everything will be good, right? And this is exactly where the trouble is. The trouble is that your subconscious mind chooses a path to make you survive. The problem is your subconscious mind has no consciousness. So whatever is in there, it will follow it. And and the and the and the modern advertisement system is based on dysfunction. So if as much as they can manipulate it, you will follow the way they want want you to move. And um, same goes for politics, same goes for healthcare. I mean, in some some countries, you cannot have TV advertisement for medicine for that reason, or or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever, because um, yeah, the cowboy was so free and super good and died from lung cancer. But yeah, he was he was the most uh, prominent uh, thing in TV when I was a kid, the Marlboro Man. So um, so um, that's why I think that the subconscious mind plays such a huge role. Uh, but uh, most of the people right now lives on Mother Earth are believing in religions that tell them they have free will and everything they do is their own fault or own merit, which is totally false. So I'm not saying that people shouldn't own their uh, mistakes, but most of the things we do are the result of what we lived before, not what we think now. Yeah. So, and I think th- this is where the most biggest problem we have in in society that that the past of a person plays a huge role and far bigger role than the now of that person. And uh, and the moment we understand it, then we can see people in different light and we can see ourselves in different light and start to uh, correct the programming instead of trying to function differently If the, in the 5% of consciousness we have, although we let the 95% stay the same. And we cannot correct things like that. You cannot just uh, paint a building differently and make the foundation stronger. So the paint will have no impact on the foundation. And if the foundation is, uh, is spongy, no matter what color you put on, you're doomed. So now I'm coming to Lance to lighten the tone a bit. <laughs> we're not, not going to stay in a doomed state for long. Now, Lance, the good thing is, is there's lots of tools and techniques now that people can do to influence their subconscious mind and set new habits and new programs into it, aren't there? Yeah, so much. I mean, just the first thing that, you know, I've spoken about now multiple times is breathing and just becoming aware of your breath. And I think that's a really good place to begin for people because if you can literally just sit there and just become conscious, okay, how am I breathing? Then you do become more in the present moment and and literally conscious of what's happening right now. Um, And from there, then you can start, you know, if it's affirmations you want to do, or if it's, you know, some new situation you want to have different conscious thoughts about, you know, that's a good time to do it. 
um, you know, reading uplifting books and books that are about self-development and personal development. Um, you know, I know people also will put, um, words like sprinkled throughout their home, like on note, note cards or certain places to just be a conscious reminder of, Hey, think this or remember this. So those are really easy things. And I utilize uh, essentially all of it. Um, I do, uh, reading and I, you know, write and say my affirmations of what I want to create and intend for my day. And that brings me into that present moment of consciously choosing what I would like. Yeah, that's absolutely great. I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of people are very into the mindfulness at the moment. And, you know, the beauty of mindfulness is, is it's keeping you in the conscious mind so that when the subconscious thoughts are coming up, you're aware of them and you can consciously change them. Um, I mean, a lot of our programming, we talked earlier about how much of the programming happens before in humans, before the age of seven, when humans are largely in, I think, a theta brainwave state, which is similar to the hypnosis state when they're very open, everything's going straight into their subconscious mind. But when we get older, we, we've we've seen from the last few years, it's very easy to program people. And it's by habit, 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 isn't it? Um, you know, look how quickly habits come into the norm. Um, you know, we've we've got rid of the word cold and cough from the vocabulary now and replaced it with a word that we won't mention on this program. <laughs> yeah, that's um, but it's very, very easy when you repeat it um, to actually form new habits. But once you've got that awareness that this is happening to it, you can start noticing it and changing it. I wanted to ask you both, both because you've got both very good medical knowledge. Now, what is the name of it? Let me see why I wrote it down. Um, we now know that our thoughts are not contained within our brain, that they actually um, su submit electrical impulses out into whatever you want to call it, the ether, the atmosphere, the divine matrix. And there's machines that have actually measured this. I think they're called MEG machines or something, Timo. Yeah. So, uh, yes, this is an interesting one also. Uh, it is not just that your thoughts are happening uh as as a growing physical frequency range uh everybody's thoughts and energy is also having the same impact on you so exactly. in you so uh, and this is uh, on dna level it's not just happens to your brain it also happens to your dna so you can i can curse your dna in a sense that i was like your dna is what a and suddenly your dna might react to it and this, this is a, yeah, it, from one side, some people are so strong that that doesn't matter, right? Like Boris Johnson, but, um, some, <laughs> <laughs> but some people are really open to those things. Like they are really getting, uh, extremely, uh, easily affected by the impulses from outside can be positive, can be negative, but, um, can cause them to go to. A successful life can cause them also to jump from a cliff so these are the people who are followers and the majority of population not important of animals or humans are made out of followers so that's why it's important to um, have your own group of free thinkers around you so they keep you in check and show you that nothing everything is uh, like the others 
make you feel like because uh, everything's perception right so it's very easy if you watch a horror movie just open some laughter and uh, some funny music somewhere and close the sound of the horror movie suddenly what you watch has no impact on you whatsoever uh, as as a horror or horrifying um, feeling right the emotions are totally gone why mm-hmm. now the impulse that comes to your ear doesn't fit the one that is coming from your eyes and this other one is just like zeroing the effect of the horror movie so that means that everything is perception something that might scare you now has zero effect just because something else is there like a small you can have a small candle in a dark room and suddenly it's not scary anymore yeah although the room didn't change right so and i think um, that's important and it really happens outside your brain and i don't want to go too deep into this because for some people it's really esoteric and uh, there is the discussion between if you have ether, if you have dark energy, whatever, whatever, the ripple effect and whatnot, uh, scalar waves, whatnot. It's very deep. But I, I can make you 100% sure that whatever you feel or think has an impact on everything around you. Mm-hmm. And it's bigger than just uh, happening in you. And that you can see from people's aura. Policemen can picked it up from meters away from not your body language but somehow how you feel like do you feel like someone who wants to run away or are you self-confident and they can 100% feel it although they have no dogs can feel it and they say it has something uh, with the pheromones I would agree except small children don't have strong pheromones and animals still know if they're afraid or not and from miles away. So it's not just the smell. It's not just uh, the physical things we think. It's physical, but uh, on a total different um, energetic level. And I cannot explain it. So I'm not going to act like I know very well how it's happening. I know it's the electromagnetic field, all that we know. But um, I think there are more layers to that than we think we know. There's so many influences from all sorts of levels where people aren't aware of, aren't there, Lance? And you're very right. I mean, animals can sort of pick up the, let's just call it the energy of someone or another animal very, very clearly, often long before humans can. Yeah. How important is people for to be aware of this, Lance, and to sort of start really noticing these things? Uh, greatly important. Uh, you know, first for the obvious reason of, being aware of, you know, how to just knowing that, you know, what the the vibration you have and what you're thinking and feeling, uh, how you're choosing to present yourself literally is creating a, an energy that others can feel and sense and see. And it really is sort of like, you know, you step into a room and it's got good vibes and you just know it or the opposite. Um, and you know, you can just tell, yeah, I agree, Timo, the body language plays a role. And I agree at the same time, like there's also just things where it just goes beyond all the senses and you just know, like there's just a knowing that something's amiss or like this is perfect, this is right. Um, You know, and there's, I know experiments done on pets, particularly dogs, 
and their precognitive states of being able to sense when their owners are coming home. You know, clearly that's not happening because of pheromones or, uh, you know, something like that. It's something uh, much stronger in the sense that it reaches much further. I've got a really good example of that. So years ago, it must have been about 10 years ago, I was part of a program on BBC Horizon, The Secret Life of Cats, and they tracked a lot of cats and radio collared them. Now, at that time, I was working from this office here and I had a couple of people that were working with me. And my job took me out and about. They were office-based in here and I had all my cats at home, had six cats at that stage. And my job, I'd be going off to do consults, working with animals all over the country. So they, I didn't have a regular timetable. It wasn't that I left at nine and came back at five. And the ladies that worked for me or used to have a giggle because they said, we always know when you're coming home because about 20 minutes before you arrive home, because I, I, I in those days didn't really used to use mobile phones much, only for emergencies. They said, we always know because about 20 minutes before you're coming home, all the cats will appear back in the garden. Now, the people who were doing the radio tracking for this program filmed that. They said, right, OK, we're going to test this out. So they told me not to tell anyone what time I was coming home. All the cats had collars on them. Unfortunately, this bit wasn't in the program because they'd run out of time. And sure enough, almost to the minute, 20 minutes before I came back, all the cats came back into the garden. No one knew I was coming home then. I didn't know what time I was going to be exactly home because it depends on traffic and everything, you know. It's uncanny, absolutely brilliant. And there's all these energetic forces that on a pure scientific level, we don't really understand, as you were saying, Timo, but they are absolutely there. Look at the fact that in tsunamis, the animals all pick it up, miles away. And I had an example, a perfect example yesterday, which was heart-wrenching for me. So on one of my favourite walks I do near me, there's a couple of deer parks. And yesterday, in one of the deer parks, in the house where they were talking to the owners of the deer parks, there was a a control, wildlife control person, which basically meant they were going to go in and cull the deer. Now, when I walked down past the deer, even though I hadn't seen the truck, the deer couldn't see the truck. The deer couldn't hear the truck because the house was quite a way away. All the deer were hiding, cowering in the farthest area of the field. Obviously, they couldn't get out. So as soon as I saw them, I knew there was something wrong. I walked five minutes down the road and then I see it. Somehow those deer have picked up and seen that and knew what was going to happen. It was so yeah. obvious. Their behavior was so out of character. It was awful. Ruined my day, really. Were you able to open the fence? I was so tempted. I, t I kid you not. I was so tempted. It was, it was heart-wrenching because... I should have opened the fence. I should have opened the fence and taken the consequence of it. But last time one of the deer got out, they shot it. So probably would have had the same effect and probably yeah. more would have been rather than them picking off the older ones. And I know lots of people eat meat and things like this. But to me, if you're, you know, penned in a fenced area and relying on humans for feed and then they go in and, oh, anyway, different matter. But the point was they sensed it. They couldn't see it, they couldn't hear it, but they knew exactly what was going to happen, and that was blatantly obvious by their behavior. So one day, one day, especially in the United States, we will change the money and we will write in gut we trust on it. The gut. So I think we really have to learn how to trust our gut 
But mm. I think intuition is also trainable. And sometimes you shouldn't trust your intuition because your subconsciousness might trick you into something. But generally speaking, there are people I know with very good intuition and mm. I'm one of them. So if my gut says something and I don't listen, I'm always sorry, always, mm. like, always sorry after. So I try, I know that people have energy, animals have energy, buildings have energy, uh, systems have energy. And, um, well, sometimes we are tricked into liking them too, although shouldn't be like, uh, shouldn't be, um, liked at all. Yeah. Now, energy psychology, um, there's lots of different methods of energy psychology where uh, one of which is super learning. Have either of you heard about that? Yes. Yeah. What have you heard about that? And what do you know about that, Lance? Cause it's fascinating. Um, I mean, just enough to be able to talk about what I know with like frequencies and how certain, like you're talking about the theta state and the alpha state are good states to learn in. Um, and that, you know, there's, there's ways of enhancing your cognitive abilities and you can f tap into more of like the flow state or just different states of, of mind or states of consciousness that help you either learn a lot or do a lot or, you know, get a lot done. So, you know, that's what I know about it. Um, what can you tell us, Catherine? Well, very, very similar for that. And again, I first heard about this through Bruce Lipton's work. I mean, obviously, you can watch the Matrix movie and see how it works as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, from Bruce Lipton does a lot of work in terms of almost um, working, as you say, at the theta brainwave. So he does a lot of um, techniques where you can listen through headphones to things when you're drifting off to sleep. So you're falling into the theta stage. And they've had amazing results with changing subconscious programmings through it. But also people have used it to learn new skills incredibly quickly and everything. So I'm going to try this out and we'll see how it works for me. <laughs> so I'll report back on that. But the exciting thing is, is a lot of these things, you know, a lot of um, ancient people have known about these techniques for ages. You know, look at, as you were mentioning, acupuncture, Timo, earlier. And now they can actually measure scientifically meridians and acupoints energetically. Suddenly it's got credibility. But obviously ancient traditions knew this worked long before they needed science to actually prove it worked. And I really feel we're moving into an age now where more and more regular people are becoming exposed to these techniques and the, the power of once you understand the placebo, the, everyone's heard of the placebo, but I don't think many people really, really take on board that when you understand the power of that, how much impact that can have on you being able to change all aspects of your life. Yeah, it's like uh, nanoparticles. When I talk about nanoparticles, you think they're small, but you don't really actually understand how small when I talk about something that is nano, 20 nanometers big, it's like a dog in the forest. It's, it's so small uh, compared to everything else around it. And uh, same goes for um, the effect of energies in different mental states. So that we, we think that the mental state, like it's a mood of, oh, I feel good or I feel bad. It's, it's just your brain works in a total different way. 
your brain has a total different role right now. When I check my kids, my three-year-old, I mean, he likes to uh, do things I would think that in his age, no kid would do. But because he he catches all those things from me and from his elder brother, he's programmed into something that is not a toddler anymore. And his brain is constantly switching between many languages yeah. and many th- ways of thinking, different logic. And, uh, and that shows that the brain is capable uh, to function in total different waves and different states according to what we have around us. And when we are grown up, though, some problem uh, that we don't talk about happens. And that is you are vulnerable in different states of your life for reprogramming which we talked last week about, especially women having extreme trauma before they get cancer, like several years before they get cancer. And that happens mostly in those traumatic times when they were vulnerable mentally because in a state of learning and they learned something terribly horrible, horrifying for them. And that changed constant in their subconscious functioning. Right, it suddenly their subconsciousness now have total different scar in it. Uh, let's say a bug, or let's say a um, piece of uh, code that is detrimental for for the person's health. Then suddenly everything goes, yeah, so downhill. But I don't want to be negative anymore today. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about downhills anymore. So let's talk about uphills, Lance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going up hills, um, I, I, it is a really important thing. One of the main things that I think is is my takeaway from this discussion and all the reading and, and work that I, I love this subject. I really, really am passionate about this subject because there's so many different people now that are working on this um, that can help explain it. Everyone will resonate with a different way of it being explained to them, different examples. But there's so many people that are scientifically studying it. Look at Wim Hof, who, you know, it was only a few years ago that, you know, as scientists that we all are, you know, we we were all taught that you had no control over the autonomic nervous system. And we now know that that's not true at all. So, as these people start pushing the boundaries and showing with real normal people who do go through spontaneous healing, who do dramatic changes to their lives in all areas, it's a bit like the four minute mile. Once you realize that a normal person has done this, it becomes accessible to all of us. Doesn't it Lance? Yeah, exactly. And you get more used to it and you get more comfortable and confident with uh, testing things out. You know, I remember testing, different just different small things of like what i like wanted to appear in my life you know some sort of object and just test it and just see what happens and you know things would just start appearing and um you know it's definitely helped me to at minimum keep me in a more happy positive state of mind um focusing on what i want and of course i'm not anything near perfect with that um I'm still doing a lot of growing and learning with that, but just being aware of it is the first step. And, you know, you can start to change things just with that initial awareness. Yeah. 
In terms of resources for people, before we get onto tools and techniques, but in terms of resources for people, books, people to listen to, etc. Timo, have you got any particular favourites for someone that's interested in this subject matter and how it could impact their lives that you would point them towards? All right, this is this is a big subject for me. So one thing uh, I would um, I would suggest is to find the right music for yourself. That's that's interesting. Maybe it feels like, but find the music that elevates you and keeps you. It resonates with you. So when it's in your brain, you feel like yeah, that's a part of you, because that unlocks some of the theta waves, and that is a good resource to go. So first, find your favorite music. Not important. I totally disagree with Lance here. It could be heavy metal. It can be the hardest music, or it can be the softest music. It can be. Yeah, Gustav Holst, like, oh my God, the world is going down. Or it can be Britney Spears, if you like it. But um, find music that elevates you and f- makes you feel like, okay, you are vibrating with it, right? For me, that's an open C chord, uh, C2. I feel like, oh, this is it. So this is one, not one more one. Um, read Bruce Lipton. So he explains things far better than I can. And... Uh, so you've Bruce Lipton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just read it. So not important what you read from Bruce Lipton, even small things, because you will catch so many small details about yourself you didn't know exist. And uh, one thing about Wim Hof is he's not controlling his autonomous system himself. He's signaling things that controls it. So this is exactly what we were talking about at the beginning. He is signaling to his body he knows what signal will cause what and most of the military people know that too and ancient people knew it too it's not important if you know the medical or the scientific details about it if you know the cause and effect Mm. and and the result then you are there so you don't you don't have to know everything in between you don't have to become a scientist to understand yourself you just have to know okay i drink water i pee this is always like that if i don't i don't you don't need to know uh, the uric acid cycle, cycle to understand this as a fact, right? Or you, you can also exploit that. So if you want to pee more, you drink more. And you suddenly, yeah, I drink more, I pee more. It, there is, you don't have to understand anything else. You just have to know when I do this, this happens. And I think if you can really break down to this pragmatic level, many things can change in your life. If you forget about the details you don't need, and concentrate on the things that really have an effect on you, then I think this is the easiest way to start. But Bruce Lipton, for me, is the right guy. And I think I resonate with his mind the most from his books because he understands the um, mechanics and machinations behind the human mind. And uh, I think it's a very good start for each and every one of us to understand how much of a control we have now and how much of a control we could have and what kind of effect we could have from that control. That's why for me, it's number one. Fantastic. What about you, Lance? So uh, Molecules of Emotion by Dr. Candace Perp. Uh, She worked at the NIH and... Uh, She was a neuroscientist and a biophysicist and a pharmacologist. And she talked uh, in this book, just very fascinating. She talks about her life in it as well. And just different stories going on at the NIH. 
it's a fascinating read, but the science and it's very interesting too. And, you know, it's right, right in the same path there with Bruce Lipton. Uh, I know that they collaborated together when, when she was uh, alive, but, um, that book really opened my mind in, in a lot of new ways. I love both of those. And I wasn't really familiar with Dr. Um, Candy's Per until you introduced me to her, Lance. And then I've been listening over the last week or two to quite a lot of her lectures on YouTube, which you can find. And she's so engaging to listen to. Again, very much like, I mean, Bruce Lipton, I just adore. I also would add to that list Greg Braden. So The Divine Matrix was one of my one of the books. I'm just reading it again, actually, that completely changed my life. Um, because it just explained things in a way that was really right for me and where I was there and understanding how um, we all sort of fit into this collective consciousness. Um, obviously, Joe Dispenza as well is another really good one for particularly for those of you that really like to understand the science behind things. He's very, very good at that. So there's lots out there that you can really tap into. But I think never for me, never has there been a more important time now because a lot of people are disengaged with mainstream media. A lot of people have realised that television is tell a vision and we are being programmed by watching programmes on it. All these little bits of the jigsaw puzzle are starting to put into fall into place. But of course, there's so much we're not aware of, which is the exciting bit. So just think how good things can really be. And I have personally been part of quite a few experiences where people have had the most miraculous, spontaneous healing events. So I've now seen it with my own eyes that it really is possible. And once you have seen that, then you're, you open your mind up conscious mind up to a completely new way of doing things so so let's finish off today with a few practical tips I know Lance you've already talked uh, about the breathing and Timo the music is there anything else that you want to add to that let's start with you Lance um I know that some meditation halls and um just different places and some people in their homes I don't do this but it is a, a practice that you have a bell or some sort of sound that goes off every 15 minutes or 30 minutes to just remind you in your home or wherever, okay, come back to the present moment, be conscious of what you're thinking, what are you doing, and just, you know, come back to that moment. That's one. Um, I think just doing things like mindful eating or mindful walking, uh, you know, that's all part of mindfulness and being conscious of what's happening, those are really good exercises and practices to incorporate too. Love that, really love that. What about you, Timo? So I'm going now. Um, if you really want to become really conscious of what's happening, try to drive a car in Delhi. Try to drive a car in Delhi, in India or Istanbul. <laughs> And uh, you will realize that you need all your senses all the time to survive. <laughs> but uh, joke aside, I think the, the best way to regain consciousness is to remind yourself physically with papers, notes, um, voice messages, any type of thing, whatever you like, that brings you back exactly like Lan said, to your mind and not to someone else's uh, vision of your life. 
because this is what we normally live. We live always someone else's vision and those visions are mostly forced into us with, yeah, as you said, TV, internet, um, influencers, um, advertisement, physical, mental, school education. I'm not against education. It's just uh, the form of education right now is really terrible. And um, also indoctrination of any type of belief or religion, any type of thing that forces you to think a certain way. I would like to remind you that your brain is unique and your life is unique and everybody else can F off. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly, female. I would just like to encourage people to have a look at their morning routine and do three things differently. So, Timo, you spoke a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, do you always put your left leg or your right leg in your pants or your trousers first? I would like people to just from the next time they wake up in the morning, whatever time zone you're listening to this on, just first of all, take note of what your morning habits are. Do you reach for your phone straight away? Do you go and get a cup of coffee or whatever? And and be, note what those are and then change it and change it for three to four weeks. Just consciously do three different things as the first things you do when you wake up in the morning and just see what impact that has on your life. Because you know, definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Well, if you want to change something in your life, just start by changing a few subtle things of the way you start your day and see what happens and let us know. Yeah, that's actually the definition of many drummers. So what makes the drummers so insane, actually, mostly they are the most crazy person in the group, although they are not jumping to the crowd mostly. But what makes the drummer mostly the most insane person is that he dares to play something that he normally plays always with right, now with left. And and he forces himself to do it for a while till his left is as good as his right. And I think this that's why I think a lot of rhythmic people are more uh, sophisticated in their thinking because rhythm, it forces you to understand that you have to do something different. Mm. to get different results and as you said you cannot keep doing everything the same every day and expect different things so i would suggest um try to go play basketball and always start your steps with left instead of right and start to jump with left and try to find out what happens if you're right with left i know it will look really bad but uh, who knows how fast you can adapt to right with left So thank you so much for um, the discussion. I think this is something that all of us, uh, everyone's going to be finding out a lot more about moving forward, you know, once we're sort of unleashing the true power of our potential. Um, And I'm excited to see what everyone's comments show and what they're noticing and what tips they've got for us all. So thank you, Lance, so much. Thank you, Timo, so much. And we will be back again next week for another exciting one in this series. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope there's at least one thing that you can take away and apply to your own life or to the lives of your animals. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And if you feel inspired, please do share with your friends and family. My goal is to inspire as many people as I can to live their best lives, to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible and this needs your help. If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favourite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I will be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. And above all, stay curious and stay free.